Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. We're actually just about to go on and touch about the fact, touch on the fact that we um, launched something different. <laughs> I was just about to welcome this podcast with the launch of that. But you may have seen over the course of the past what week or so, ten days, that we have launched our Built to Coach course exclusively for coaches inside of the fitness industry. Because over the course of the past decade, for me anyway, and for however long Jane's been trying to work on her own physical performance and progress. Whatever. <laughs> uh, we noticed a lot of things inside of the coaching industry that we just did not we did not agree with it just totally conflicted with our moral compass so we decided to create a course to teach coaches to become better coaches because Jen I know this is your area of expertise but this this industry is not regulated whatsoever which means that people people who take to it and learn over time can obviously become good coaches, but still don't have the in-depth knowledge of what coaching looks like. So they might be good with a specific type of person with specific traits and someone who already has the drive to do better. But when you take someone that maybe is starting from scratch, they don't actually have a formula for like how to get them from where they are now to their desired result. If anything, they just make up a fucking framework that's worked previously in their head and they think, you know what, I'm just going to try this. Hopefully it works. But when they don't have the answers, they then start to call their clients like headaches, victims. They don't want it enough, all of that sort of shit, which I know you have a, <laughs> you've been exposed to a few times yeah. on your journey. Um, so do you want to give us, give us it from your perspective, like why this is so important for for coaches inside of the fitness industry? Yeah, 100%. I think like my my um, drive really and my vision for why we're doing what we're doing um, and why we've, we're business partners now, bitches. Yep. Um, why we've decided to go on this journey together is because I think our relationship as a coach and client is living proof of the fact that long-term sustainable transformative change can come as a result of curious coaching because yeah. I know we've spoken about this before is that when I <laughs> when I showed up rocked up in the gym floor absolutely riddled we um fucking PTSD a binge eating disorder crippling crippling self-hatred you were like how the fuck do I navigate this and I think in those early days you only had an hour a week really to tackle this with me um, and you were like, you didn't know what to do, but you were guided by instinct, you were guided by experience, and then ultimately guided by the knowledge that you learned on your own like professional journey. Um, but And I think we are, we are living proof, as you have with so many of your clients, as I do with so many of my clients, that when you really specialise and understand and learn coaching skills, you can literally rewire, help someone to rewire the way that their brain works and help them to rewire the way that they think. And I just think that's such a powerful thing that would relieve so much pressure from clients, so much pressure from coaches and would help this industry to stop being like the fucking Wild West because it fucks me off how often and how many times over my life I've been sold magic pills and magic beans and magic processes that never worked and when I look over the course of my life, I mean, I have probably, I have invested tens of thousands of pounds over my lifetime trying to fix my problems, trying to fix my mental health, trying to lose weight and repair my relationship with food and repair my relationship with myself, like literally tens of thousands of pounds. And I would say probably 20% of that investment has actually worked out in my favour. And it's frustrating, I think, for so many people because you're left to... You're almost left to navigate what is the wild way. It's almost like going through the wild west without a gun and trying not to get fucking shot. Like and when I see so much unregulated practice, it, it's it does coaches and clients a disservice. Like it's not fair to coaches either because the vast majority of them are doing their best. And I think the vast majority of coaches that you and I have worked with over the years. They are genuinely trying their best with what they know and what they have available to them. And it's not fair in them that they're left to try and figure it out and left to try and do their best without some guidance, without a code of ethics, without a framework, without competencies, without progression. Like when I worked in um, the corporate world 
when we were supporting anybody, I mean, every single year, right? So I would have a monthly one-to-one with my line manager. Every single year, I would set objectives. And objective for anybody who doesn't know, I don't know if I've actually ever mentioned it in the podcast, but I worked as an organisational development and design consultant. So basically, I would help people to design organisations, teams, and then services. So it starts at the top. You organise a senior leadership team and you help them create direction. Then you organise the teams that sit underneath them and then you help them to design the services and how they deliver them. So basically the spine of an industry, Mm -hmm. my job was being a consultant and helping people to build out those processes. So I loved it and it was great. Um, But a whole focus of doing that, I've lost my train of thought. What was I talking about before I started saying that? (laughs) So you were talking about the fact that um, you... The, the job that you used to do previously because it was it was regulated and you yes, had like, yes, yes. a progression model. That's where I was going. That's where I was going. So when you work in an organisation, what you work on starts at the top of the tree and works its way down, right? So the direction for the organisation is first, then it dribbles down into your director, then your line manager, then you. So my objectives that I was working on for the year feed directly into the overall like trajectory for the organisation. So I was clear every single year when I set objectives. Here's what I'm working on in terms of the service deliverables. Here's my personal development goals. Here's what I would like to get better at. Here's some CPD qualifications, learning development that I would like to do. And then my line manager would feed back and say, here are your areas for improvement. Here's what I'd like to see more of. Here's what I want you to be aware of, blah, blah, blah. So the vast majority of people who work in a professional career will do the same thing, Right. When you are an online health and fitness coach, you have to be the director, the chief executive officer, the line manager, the staff member, the objective setter and the objective completer, the HR person. You have to do all of these roles. So coach is only one of about 10 hats that you will wear inside your business. And crucially, the vast majority of these things that you're trying to learn to do there's nobody really about to show you how to do those things. There's nobody really about to say to you, have you set business objectives this year beyond just how much money you want to make? And have you dialed that down into, if I want to go here, here's what that looks like in a month to month, here's how I'll assess my progress. Like, If you're not given those skills, either you learn them or you guess your way through them. So there's a huge level of disservice done in terms of progression, in terms of knowing how to how to get someone a result beyond just is this the right person and are we the right fit for each other like you should be able to get a result for people who aren't the right fit for you because your process should be able to deliver the result so I feel like that's probably where a huge there's a personal driver in it that I get fucked over by so many cowboys that I want to make sure that I can have an impact on there being less cowboys who take people's money and I promise that they can't deliver but also to support coaches to be able to coach confidently and curiously to be able to stand in their own style, their own way of doing things and create incredible results for their clients without all that fear and worry and uncertainty. Yeah, I actually wrote this last night on my my Instagram, the fact that we will never guarantee someone a result. You'll not see me put out there like, come work with us for 90 days and you will achieve X, Y, and Z, like as a promise, as a guarantee. And I'll never do any of this like money back guarantee bullshit because the responsibility is on the client to get the result. Like the other one putting the work in, we know we'll give 100% from our end and we know our process works. It's how much someone is willing to engage in that process and actually really fucking pisses me off when I think about a lot of the clients that have came to us that actually haven't had a previous experience, mm. but I know if they did have a previous experience with someone in the industry that didn't see the potential in them, that when we coach them, it would end very differently because what we also see is people coming in here with preconceived notions of what this process is going to look like and beliefs of what previous ones have looked like and -hmm. essentially lead with their beliefs instead of taking on the information, the support on hand. They just, if they've had someone that's like a drill sergeant before, they don't want to feed back to us and be open and honest because last time they done it, they get fucking ridiculed and put down and called a fucking fat mess, you know? And it really does annoy me because I also think a lot of coaches in the industry are... They put themselves in a bit of a pedestal where they think, you know what, my standards are so high. I'm a fucking baller. I do X, Y, and Z. I can fucking travel and work from anywhere on my laptop. All of this bollocks. So much so that they go on a bit of a fucking power trip. And it's like, well, if you're not coming in on my level, then you can fuck off. The people who I want to work with will be at my level. But that's a very small minority of people. And as you said to me the other day, it's like setting 
setting your business up so that you're looking for people who are 80% there and then just taking money off them to facilitate and overlook the additional 20%. And that is not coaching. That's literally not coaching. Like think of Louise, for example, like our client Louise lost over a hundred pounds. She's run a half marathon now. No one would have seen potential in her, but mm. she she trusted and went through our process. And that is why she is where she is now. And I can think of so many other people in the exact same position. And it's not because we, it's not because we, we offer anything different other than the way in which we coach. Because a lot of clients, I think a lot of prospects, if you want to call it that in the marketplace, looking for a coach, will just look at program to program and be like, well, what makes you different? Our IP makes us different. Our intellectual property makes us vastly different from everyone else because the questions we ask, the way that we like to coach, how we like to deliver and the framework that we have to support that has proven strategies to work. For people that for people that are fucking only 10% of the way there, not fucking 80, you know? And yeah. if anything, what we also do is we exploit people who think they are 80% of the way there and make sure that they actually recognize they're maybe only 40 and then coach yeah. them through the rest because we don't like people thinking they're far too ahead of where they actually are and that they're potentially too good for the coaching process as well. Like, just give me this, that, and the next thing and I'll be good. No, you'll engage in the whole process and you'll go through this to figure out where you really are, what you truly need help with and how this can transform your life long-term because right now at this stage, having lived the way that you have always lived, following what you've followed, even if you've had results from it, you don't know what you're capable of, what your potential is. And also you're just buying into your own bollocks, like your own bias, your own bullshit around what you think it is that you need, but you're always going to be subjective because of your bias. You're always going to be subjective because of your values and what drives you. But when we actually look at things objectively, we can see the issues with people. And obviously it does come down to the client to be willing enough to engage with that coaching process to see what's on the flip side. Like I think a lot of people as well will always, from a coaching perspective, when we get questions about it, a lot of people will think that we can just solve every single problem, right? My clients aren't getting back to me in check-ins. My clients aren't being open and honest with me. My clients aren't doing X, Y, and Z. We cannot give you a specific, a specific answer to how you will get that person to respond because it is literally how you portray yourself as a coach from the minute that you touch base with them all the all the way until the end of their journey with you. It's the touch points, it's your communication, it's the way you speak, it's the interest you show, it's the questions you ask, it's everything. So if you've already had a client for six months that hasn't been checking in for three, four, five months of that and is ghosting you all the time, I can't now give you a magical framework for you to be able to bring that person back from where they are. I can give you strategies to implement to try and get them to trust you a little bit more and see the process for what it is. But what we want to frame these people with is like a... Uh, an approach to the way in which they coach people so that from the minute they enter your program to the minute they leave, they know exactly what it is that they're going to get from you. Because the other thing that pisses me off with that is results-driven coaches. I'm, I'm a results-driven coach. Like, What is a, what is a non-results-driven coach? I, exactly. exactly. And <laughs> what kind of coach is not getting results and is okay with that? I know. And coaches I speak to, I'll be like, when was the last time you checked in with your client just to check in with them or send them a message and tell them how much you think about them? Uh, like, like their stature, like the, the type of person they are. When do you <laughs> yeah, be careful how you say that? One. <laughs> <laughs> but like, when do you ever praise them for things that they maybe might not be getting praised with? Like, you might be operating on a level that you think is deemable for you and everyone else should be there, but you can't dismiss how much something is going to mean to someone that is on a far greater level than you. And what they need from you is for you to wear different hats, for you to be challenging, sometimes supportive, sometimes more compassionate, for you just to give them some breathing space. Like there, there will be clients we work with that don't progress for months, but those months are where they're doing some of the best work to gear them up and lay the foundations to achieve the outcome long-term. And don't get me wrong, see our best clients, if I'm thinking of Leanne Duffy, if I'm thinking of Louise, if I'm thinking of Josh, if I'm thinking of Mark Gillespie, if I'm thinking of all these really good clients, they've all wanted to leave at one time or another when they were in the trenches doing that fucking work. Yep. And and, and again, right, everyone wanted to leave at one stage until they realised that this was the necessary work that had to be done to actually fulfil the outcome they wanted. And that's the issue with the health and fitness industry because everyone is so focused around the result because it's it's catered and programmed for the result on on social media. You know, everything's catered towards this this dream result you want. It's going to solve all your problems. And you'll have a false perception of, what a, a real coaching process should look like if that's the way in which you've always entered a coaching relationship as a client. Um, so we just want to make sure that coaches coaches just be fucking better. That's it. And yeah. do you know what I mean? 100%. 100%. And I think a huge component of that is focusing on what 
the client needs and wants and not just you getting social proof at the end of it. Because I think I see that oh, t- as such a huge, <laughs> I know, I know. Ah, like, ah! <laughs> I know. And it's such a huge, huge barrier to building trust, like, and building a good relationship with someone. And like you say, like, we've had clients who, and I have as well, sat, like, around kind of maintenance for a couple of months working on other things beneath the surface because that needed our attention more than the physical and then when the time came to push we fucking push and we do really really well and you having trust and our ability to do that us having trust and your guidance to say this is where your focus has to be i give you permission to have your focus here and i'm going to support you do that because that's where the work needs to be done a lot of coaches won't do that because they think oh well if the person's not fucking losing weight then they're not they're not making progress they're not going to think they're making progress they're going to leave so you project your own fears and anxieties onto the client how the fuck are they supposed to trust in your ability to guide them when you're doubting your ability to guide them like it's it's transparent i think sometimes people underestimate and i think a lot of the time coaches will hide behind this like almost sort of veil like of their process and what they know because if they were questioned and what they know and the decisions that they are making they would probably they would probably panic a wee bit they would probably but it's hard to sometimes people and I get I find this hard a lot of time people will ask me like the specifics of my coaching process so what is it that you're specifically doing here a lot of time if a client's struggling with a question that I ask them I will talk them through the intention behind my question here is why I'm asking you this and here's the information that I'm seeking to get and I can say that because I understand why I'm asking the question I'm not just coaching and vibes like I'm coaching a process so I think sometimes a lot of coaches will keep this kind of veil hidden because they're scared of like what if the client finds out sorry if you can hear Paul with the hairdryer in the background (laughs) okay great he always chooses to blow dry his hair at the times when I'm doing shit like this um so the they almost sort of hide their coaching process behind this sort of veil, meaning that when the client comes with a difficult question, they will scramble to find an answer instead of saying, I don't know the answer to this question. However, let's find out together. Yeah. Like when you can go confidently and curiously into coaching, there's a type of question called Socratic questions and Socratic questions come from a place of genuinely not knowing yeah. and being in a position with a client where you can say to them, I don't hold the answer to this question for you, but I am going to walk by you as we go on the journey of finding out together. Like that creates such a strong bond in a coaching relationship yeah. that can't be replicated until you as a coach are willing to drop your ego and accept that you don't know the answers because the more you become this font of all knowledge the more you put yourself across this fucking mega mind the higher up your pedestal becomes and the diff- more difficult it is to relate to you so they're not going to share their deepest darkest vulnerabilities they are going to ghost, uh, ghost you when they're having a difficult time and don't get me wrong a lot of the time this can come down to the client it can come down to their own background and experiences their own perceptions sometimes clients will project certain personality traits onto us as coaches that we don't actually have um and there is an element of that that is out with our control but it's really really important for us to make sure that the coaching space we create is a safe one and is one that doesn't prove the client right in their fears right and that we do discuss when you're in, when you're struggling to engage with me, what's the fear that you have about being honest? What's the fear that you have about being transparent? And us being really, really focused and proving that wrong, right? Because the reason that I wasn't able to be truthful with you about the fact that I wasn't losing weight and that I was fucking binge eating was because exactly as you say, when I'd shared that with coaches previously, I was penalised for it. Yeah. I'd grown up in an environment where overeating was reinforced with punishment right then I was in an abusive relationship where when I ate too much I was punished so like of course I'm going to assume that any, that, that if I overeat punishment is inevitable it's going to take time for me to change that belief and I need to be proven wrong that that's not going to happen and I think just just allowing yourself to develop your coaching skill to a level where you understand that that's a possibility like create such strong bonds with your clients that you can create these relationships that allow them to have a transformative experience and not just a transactional one. Yeah. And by the way, that word there, transactional, I think that's a lot of the problem these days. It's it's people just focusing too much on business. It's coaches just, coaches, let me paint a bit of a picture for any 
people that are not coaches listening to this, right? And obviously coaches will relate if they do. Coaches have a very unsociable work schedule, right? You do very early mornings, late nights. You do sacrifice a lot, right? And I'm not complaining about that whatsoever because I fucking love my job and I've sacrificed so much to get to where I am now and I've learned so much through that sacrifice. Like if I think back to the things that I've never done because I was working either on my education, my knowledge or with clients, which again is education and knowledge anyway because you're learning more about people and you're actually developing those kind of coaching skills firsthand. I would never have got as much from the hours that would have been spent socializing or doing other things with other people than what I learned with the, with the clients or going on courses and so on and so forth. So I'm very grateful for it. But just like everyone in life, a coach is a human being. So when you end up stressed, overworking, underpaid, when you don't feel valued really for, for the work that you are doing because you're just giving so much energy to it, coaches get pissed off, right? And what they think the, the magic wand is for that is to go and just focus on building a business. So when they focus on their business, it is all transactional because it's very data-driven. It's I must hit X per month this month. I must keep my churn. So the amount of clients that are leaving below X amount, I must be charging X for my service so it's not as good as someone else that I know that's charging over and above this price, you know? Like I want to get to that point. So I need to start here and I need to slowly scale up. And to do that, I need to have X amount of clients in my program each month. And I need to be always taking in intakes of people. And sometimes that can lead to you just fill in a leaking bucket because the more clients that you are looking to take on transactionally to a particular business goal, actually then makes your, your delivery of your service suffer overall. And that is where a lot of people inside coaching programs do start to feel like a number because they understand that the coach is mentally checked out to a degree because their main focus is on marketing, it's on sales, it's on outreach to people on social media and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and that can, that can be quite a difficult thing for coaches to kind of pull themselves back from to understand that they might have to ha take a hit business-wise to develop their coaching skills to actually allow their business to grow like I've always had one one thought process towards money in my life that I never really wanted to make tons and tons of money and be hugely successful it was more I want to be a person of value and I want to know that I can offer value to a marketplace that needs it and if I get paid for it then absolutely fantastic but that's not my main driver that's why I don't live like some of the coaches you might see with the fucking fancy watches and the fucking Lamborghinis that they're renting for a day or two just to put on their social media and look like they're absolutely killing it. Like my my main focus has always been to add value to lives, regardless of whether you're a client or not. And the industry is so skewed by this focus on business now because there's how many business mentors are there now? Like just feel like they're fucking coming out your ears. They might have focus yeah. on DMs on a regular basis. Um, oh my god, don't you want to scale and grow your business? No, no, Go I don't. <laughs> I don't. Oh, but do you know what is so funny when they're like, I can't believe you don't want to do that? And it's like, well, maybe I actually want to focus on the thing that I want to get better at, the thing that I love yeah. with coaching because coaches fall out of love with coaching when they're just focused on building their business, Big right? Time. And everyone deserves the success that's coming their way. Like, see, if you do want to build a great coaching business, fucking great, I love that as a dream for you. You should be able to do it, but not when you're just focusing on churning clients out like mm -hmm. fucking cheese. Right, you yeah. need to be having the right ethos, the right values, and the right approach. And people need to be able to feel that from you, see that from you, smell it off you. They need to know that your heart's in the right place because the minute that they feel like something's disingenuous, they're just gonna they're just gonna cling on to the belief of this is someone else that's not willing to help me and support me in the way that I need to be supported. So for coaches that are listening to this, how can you expect to scale your business to the highest level that you possibly can without being the best possible coach that you can be? Because how many people that that focus on their business, like coaches that focus on their business, tell us that their retention's poor, that they can't keep clients? Nearly all of them, right? Number yeah. one, yes, your focus is on business, but number two, you don't have the coaching skills. You don't yeah. have the coaching skills. And how long do we retain? Like we have clients that are here for fucking two, three, four years and, and don't want to leave because they know there's always going to be something else. They understand being built for life is right. We're going through this process of, of building ourselves for life. And even though things are good now, I could leave. But I also know there's maybe things that have not cropped up yet that I need their support with when it does because I want to be 100% certain of myself that I've potentially lived through some of the darkest days of my life while being inside this program. So I'm well yeah. Come out the other side of it and be able to coach myself. A hundred percent, and I think for a lot of people as well, they maybe don't have the people in their life that they can turn to for yeah. support through those difficult moments. So they know that if they're here, they always have us in their corner. Should that time arise, it's almost it's like an insurance policy. Yeah, yeah, and um, and that's you know that's special because it's like 
real relationships with real people like and people appreciate that like I'm probably speaking for us both here when we we understand what it feels like when we get that sense of this person's just doing this for themselves it's not actually about me and it's not what they can give me but instead what I can give them because there is a lot of people out there that are just trying to take 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 because of their own selfish reasons for wanting to grow and scale we want to grow and scale coaches <laughs> that is our main that is our main currency how many coaches we can work with that will enable us to scale the numbers in the favor in the industry of coaches that are doing more good than more bad and giving yeah. people experiences and building great relationships because there are so many people that don't have those individuals in their corner and so yeah. many people are seeking it but coaches are too embroiled in the data so much so that they won't be creative and they won't be curious like coaching I think everyone thinks of coaching in tangible ways, like more fat loss, like you're down in the scales, more speed, more strength. That's measurable, right? Some of the best, even I'll just use businesses as an example here, but some of the best businesses in the world do not achieve success just through data alone. It's creativity and curiosity. And the same thing happens in your ability to coach well. Like to be the best coach, you need to be curious. You can't just rely on the tangible data because how many people have we seen progress tangibly, weight loss, strength, speed, but they need a ton of work done at the same time. And actually scratch away at the surface and be like, these are the things that we are noticing. Like you Mm -hmm. may be progressing well here and it's good for your ego and you think everything else is in check. But I've heard you say this a few times and that doesn't ring well for me. And let me tell you why. 100%. 100%. And sometimes those are the difficult to hear things, but we can't. As a coach, I can't notice something. I cannot notice a pattern in your behavior without bringing it to your attention because that is my job. My job is to be that wing mirror that notices the thing that is in your blind spot that you can't see. Like, I'm the one looking over your shoulder to be like, I know you're fucking hitting all your markers here, but this thing seems to be getting in your way. This thing seems to be playing in your mind and it looks like you're trying to run away from it. Talk to me more about that. 100% I'll celebrate your success for ticking the boxes, but I'm not going to tick the box of I've celebrated that success and move on because I want to support you to transform your entire life, right? Not just this thing that you want to be focused on at this point in time. And I think like it's interesting when you think about like the way that a lot of coaches will approach the growth of their business, right? This is something that I think is really interesting when you think about the the sort of level of comparison is that many of them I, I think have a belief that to de-risk their business they have to have a client sitting at a certain number right so yeah. I have to have my client base at a certain number to have a certain amount of month of recurring revenue to have safety and security right in inverted commas which to a certain extent is true however if you're only focused on okay, five people have left this month, therefore I need to get another five in, and then that's me at the safety and security. How is that going to last, right? Exactly as you say, it's the leaky bucket. So you can keep going and getting more and more and more and more, but you're stressing yourself out to bring more in to keep it at a stable level when actually if we look at repairing the bucket or getting you a whole new fucking bucket, right? I don't think you or I, since we've started our businesses, have really ever been in like dire straits to the point where we can't afford to pay ourselves or... We've had to pay ourselves less. If ever we do choose to pay ourselves less, it's through choice because we're investing money elsewhere. Like personally, my since I left the NHS, my personal expenses in terms of like my mortgage and my bills and all that has never changed. So if I need to dramatically reduce how much I pay myself, I don't notice any change in my life. Yeah. Like I've maybe got less fun money, but like other than that, there's no real change in the way that I live my life because for me, that's security, stability and de-risking myself, right? Yeah. I've never had a surprise tax bill, right? Coaches, oh there's God. no such thing as a surprise tax bill because guess what? You need to pay tax every single year, right? So do yourself time. a favour at the same time, yeah. every single year, do yourself a favour, set up two accounts, one in your business accounts, one in your personal accounts, and save a portion of what you earn for your tax every single year, right? The best way to de-risk yourself is to make sure that you are coaching to the best of your ability. 
And the reason that you and I have both found predictable stability in business is not by simply continually always seeking out more, 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 but making sure that the people that we do work with get an incredible transformational result, that we build the relationship so that they stay with us for longer. We work with them continually over different periods of time. I have so many clients who think that they're done and they sign up for another block or they come back to work again, or I've worked with you one-to-one, now I want you to work with my team and coach them. Now I want you to do consultancy work and help me to restructure my business. Now I want you to come in and speak to my clients, right? Because my focus is predominantly on getting the person to where they want to go and making sure that we build a strong foundation of trust in the process. So I don't need to have consistent high volumes of traffic clients coming in. I'm very selective about the people that I work with. If I can't help you, I won't work with you, right? Because my ethics come first. The amount of people, I would say like a good like 30% of the people that come to me for coaching, I immediately refer out for therapy. Yeah. And there are some people who, who I can do coaching with at the same time. There are some who I can't because they need to go to therapy first and do a, certainly for a healing before coaching is going to be helpful. Like, so I cut myself off for 30% of business because ethically it's more important for me to do the right thing than it is to have more money in the bank. And I think when you're driven by a need to, del- to deliver a solid professional service, you never panic, like you never worry. Like I can remember when I first started the business, panicking and worrying so much about income that actually when I removed that panic and worry so much and just focused on how do I have a positive impact here? Yeah. I, I've never had to worry about it again because it's entirely within my control. Yeah, It's entirely within my control around how well I work with people, how I continue to develop myself. Like I am never not on a fucking course. Like I'm always learning something at some point because it's a it's a really important thing to me and it's an important part of my career. And I think it frustrates me that coaches can't understand that the best way to de-risk yourself is to make sure that you are skilled and competent as a coach, that you are skilled and competent in delivering your result. The more skilled and competent you are at that, the less you have to panic about getting more people through the door. And there is an element of transaction in health and fitness coaching. It's a hybrid model. It's not just coaching, right? What I do is pure 100% coaching. Like for a lot of people, and especially for health and fitness coaches, it's not. It's it's a combination of teaching, mentoring, and coaching. However, if your focus is constantly in the transactional, right, and don't get me wrong, initially your clients will only be interested in the transactional and that's okay, right? They will only be interested in give me a meal plan, give me a training plan, let me just follow this to, to, to a T, right? And it's important that you provide them with that in those early stages. But if you want to go fully transformational you have to be comfortable going beyond the transactional stuff you have to be comfortable exploring out with what you believe your knowledge base to be like you have to be comfortable enough to go into the curious place and say let's go and find out the answer together and crucially you need to be transformative in yourself because showing up to do a gym session and eating your chicken rice and getting your steps is not high performance right that's pretty basic shit and yeah. see if you're a health and fitness coach and you're telling me or showing me how you get your 10,000 steps every day. My mom gets her 10,000 steps every day. She's 63, right? Like that's not inspirational to me. Like I would expect that to be your bare fucking minimum. Yeah. I'm not interested in the transactional shit that you already know. I'm interested in how do you help me transform as a person? And that comes down to your ability to coach someone to do that, not your personal experience of when I struggled 15 years ago, I lost three stone and now my life has changed forever. That's not going to help me. What you need to do is learn actually from my personal experience and what's important to me and the coaching skill that I then develop. How do I fuse these together to be a great coach, inspirational, right? Pushing myself or more holding myself to a higher standard, but using my coaching skill to transform this person, not just my experience that I had like 10 years ago. Yeah, and then tell them what to do with it. Exactly. Like, Here's what I did once. Well, that's not going to work for me because I'm not you. Hundred percent. And the thing is, don't get me wrong. Like sometimes clients, clients when they're trying to build trust as well, aren't always there at the point yet where they want to be completely honest. They're like they're at the point where they're willing to engage, but then it gets a little bit uncomfortable. And sometimes they can be like, "Oh, well, I don't know the answer to this. Don't know the answer to that." Everyone always knows the answer, but it just takes a little bit more time to build trust. And that's another thing for coaches out there. When someone pays you, it doesn't mean they trust you fucking entirely. Yeah. Right? Trust is continuously built throughout the full coaching process. Yeah. And I think 
at that point what most most coaches well, most coaches probably don't even get to that point, to be perfectly honest. They don't even get to the point of like asking really good questions, start to graduate the surface and get to the point where it's like, right, okay, I'm at, at a point now, but I could be getting somewhere. But when you're at that point and someone doesn't know, you can then use that unique blend. Like, listen, I think from what we've discussed so far, this is what I'm taking away from it. Do you agree? Um, would you agree that potentially these could be the driving factors? Yeah. I'm not too sure. Well, why don't we just pick one, test one, and we can put action steps in place that you need to give me feedback on, and then we can just go through one at a time. So there could yeah. be like three or five action steps for point number one, a few feedback, and it's not that, and everything's fine and dandy, cool, we'll go on to point two. And these are the things that we're looking for when you're doing this too. So this is what I want you to feed me back on. This is the information I must know, because if we're seeing these patterns, we're seeing these behaviours, if we're seeing this way of thinking towards it, then that's no doubt going to be the problem. So are you open and willing to go on this journey with me, as you said, to, to figure this out? And that is like the hybrid model. Some people will be at an, an intelligent enough place and a trusting enough place to engage with you, which is yeah. great, like absolutely fantastic. But it's just as fantastic if someone else is on the border of it and willing to, to maybe go there, but just not quite go that deep yet. Um, yeah. And then that's where you show your expertise. And that's why you need to have those expertise because you need to be able to go, you know what, I can piece this together for you. I can show you that you can trust me because I know what you're talking about. And then we can go on the journey together to do it, even yeah. though the coach will probably always know what the problem is because they've yeah. got that instinct and they do have a, a certain amount of data already. They can then take them on that journey for the client to go, fuck me, how did you know that? Like I wasn't yeah. even sure of it myself. And then that buys more trust. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because the thing is, is that you you telling someone something is not going to change the way that they think, right? You offering a piece of advice or an insight at the wrong time or asking what you think is a fantastic question isn't going to change the way that the person thinks until the thought comes into their mind through their own thought process. Only then will they be able to change the way that they think, right? And this is why it's really, really important to be informed by the data, right? The data isn't just the metrics that the person hits. The data is the way that they think, their assumptions, their beliefs, testing behavior change like sometimes a behavioral experiment will not work so good let's scratch that one off and go back to the drawing board and try something else and that is data informed change that's us using the information that comes back and working with it to see what happens next so the person is creating their own data we're not saying go and do this thing and it will guarantee a change for you we are saying let's try this work with the data and come back to square one no two clients in in the built for life program are coached in the same way none of them we have a process that we know works but we have to adapt and flex the coaching style to suit the person based on where they are based on their own journey based on what's important to them right again no two people are on are wanting to achieve the same thing even when they're working towards similar goals like we're working with the data that the client brings because they are in the driver's seat they are in control it's not for us to decide what they should and should not achieve. If I think you're capable of more and you have a higher potential, then 100%, I'm going to push you to to the potential that I can see in you when you can't see it in yourself. But I'm not going to go and tell you to go and do something with your life that's not important to you, right? I'm not going to say to you, what is it you've got crippling fucking crippling low self-esteem and you absolutely hate the body you're in? Book a photo shoot. Like, I'm not going to do that to you. Do you know oh, what I mean? That's triggering. However, if you came to me and said, oh, don't. Like, I think there's a place for them. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I think there's a really good place for them. I think if you're in a program that is focused around, like, body positivity, improving body image, increasing your confidence, I think it can be a, a really beneficial thing for so many people. But if you don't want to do it, <laughs> I'm not going to make you do it. As a solution right? or something that's fucking wreaking havoc in someone's life, like, it's, yeah. it's not the right thing for them to do. But it's like personally for someone who's lived the vast majority of my life with body dysmorphia, if I had pictures of myself at an absolutely incredible physique and then I moved away from that and I gained more weight, those pictures would fucking torture me. It would right? haunt you. Would haunt you. Right? Whereas for some people, it's a, really, it's a really, really empowering thing. So this is why it's so important for it to be specific to the person, their needs, their wants, and we, we coach them to apply the process to themselves, not the other way about. Yep. And most importantly there, but like having the coaching skills to understand when it's going south. Like, yep. I know you came here for this. This is what we do here. We help clients get in incredible shape and photo shoot shape and step on stage and so on and so forth. But I'm starting to, to notice here that there's some really disturbing disordered eating patterns going on. But, yep. but having an environment where someone can come and be open to you about that. 
you know, because yeah. this, this is the biggest thing. It's like people will just torture themselves and get through it because they don't want to let the team down. They don't want to let themselves down. Like yeah. they've already locked it in. They don't want the embarrassment of cancelling it. Whereas if they had the confidence that the coach could wear different hats and yeah. and really showcase different skills and make them feel heard and seen, they would be able to go to them and say, I'm struggling with this stuff. This is actually a goal I would still really like to do long term, but I would much rather the intention to be correct when yeah. I would do it, you know, but that's where a lot of people end up doing these things, end up even worse off disordered eating. And then it's just fucking, it's just creating a vicious circle of what then people think will solve the problem, which is let's just go and get back into photoshoot shape because I'm now not eating right. Like I'm fucking embroiled and just binging all the time to the point where I'm disgusted in myself. So the only way that I know how to look and feel my best is to do that exact same process again. And it's like, yeah. no, absolutely yeah. no. Like fuck that shit. Um, why don't we go on to the three biggest lessons, like quick fire lessons that we both learned from? Well, I, I was going to, I was going to ask you what you believe the three most important like skills or pieces of knowledge are that you've learned that have informed the way that you coach. I think first and foremost is experience. Mm. So experience, like the thing is, not every every two people have had the same experience, like upbringing, turmoil, trauma, pain, whatever it may be. But I think you need to have a level of intelligence to take the lessons from your experience and understand yourself better. Like, I think we've spoken about this before when coaches ask us what books we've read and it's like, we've not read any books. Like, we're good at craft because we're knowledgeable in the fields we need to know. But the, the intuition comes from our own experiences and knowing ourselves well. So I think overall experience of being able to take the lessons from everything you've done and be able to read between the lines is the most important thing. And a lot of people don't don't spend enough time reflecting, journaling on, on these things, going to therapy, right, yeah. to find out more about themselves. So I think experience is, is the first thing that everyone needs to have. And you might you might not have, or you might not think that you have a lot of experience to draw from, Mm. but it doesn't mean that there's nothing there whatsoever you know mm. like there's things there that you could you could pick up on from your own experience that you could ask how did I feel after that mm. like why did I feel that way like even people who are, are successful like you'll see people who have had a great upbringing no real issues they're really successful but at different points in their life when they've been successful they felt empty they felt alone but they don't kind of dig deeper into into why you know, like it might be that they've always longed for more connection. They've actually wanted, they've actually wanted someone to support them in a different way that they never had. Like all of this stuff can teach you how to use your initiative to put yourself in the shoes of the prospect and kind of relate to them a little bit more. So people need to have not a boatload of experiences, but a better ability to draw from their experiences. The second thing that's always stood from me, eh, stood out to me, sorry, um, and stayed with me. I can't even remember actually who said it. You know that way where you've surrounded yourself with so many people, like you, you kind of mix up who said what. Yeah. But the statement that always stays in the forefront of my mind, working with anyone, especially when we've got quite a sense of like client to deal with, is always leave the client in a better off position than where you found them. And yeah. that will require me to go into the toolbox and just be like, you know what? What do they need here? Do yeah. they just need me to listen? Do they just need a friend? Do they need a coach? Did they did they want to vent? Like how many 50-minute voice notes have I listened to people venting? Oh, I've no. actually said, listen, see if you just need to get this off your chest, fucking bang on oh, it. Oh, yeah. oh. Um, and that builds a lot of trust because when they come back, it can be like, right, okay, I hear you. I know how frustrating this can be. Do you want my feedback? Do you want me to tell you what you think you should, what, what I think you should do here? And then if they've said, yeah, I'd really appreciate it, then great. If they just wanted to rant, then also great. But I will paint a yeah. picture. Like, listen, if this is something that's really getting to you consistently, we can change this. Like we yeah. can implement things to change it. So let's do it. So that's always stuck with me as well. And I think the last thing above all else is collaborating with, with people who are in a position of knowledge and education and intellect that can help you and aid you. Like I always, I always look at other coaches' businesses and I see them hiring other coaches just to take off the load of coaching from them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the, they, they, they want they want to run the business and and have all the money and just have coaches beneath them do the coaching for them. But those coaches that they bring in are on an even lower scale of ability when it comes to coaching. Yeah. I wanted to collaborate with people that had knowledge that I didn't have to fill yeah. the voids of what I knew clients would need. So that's why we are not like, we're not very general 
I would say when it comes to to what our coaching program looks like, like you may go into another coaching program and be met with what would be described as like three client success coaches, but they're yeah. all coaches that specialize in nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And they're maybe only in the 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 industry for a few years. And usually what it tends to be is people's family members that have gone through a transformation or clients yeah. that went through a transformation. And a lot of CEO coaches and their businesses don't like to pay for their staff to go and further their knowledge. They think yep. they know all and they'll just pass down and teach them and train them. Oh, it winds me up so much. No, but again, it can't, it, 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 they can't teach, even if you do have a decent degree of intuition as a as a CEO, um, yeah. kind of took themselves out of their business as a coach, you you cannot pass that intuition on to someone else because again, yeah. those people will be coming into your, your line of work fearful of messing something up so then they yeah. just rely solely on what you're giving them use no intuition just use the data use the responses they don't think for themselves and it's because they're fearful of the impact that they might have in your business if it's a negative one whereas i wanted to bring in you right totally different sector totally different fucking level of knowledge i wanted to bring in gene again mental health professional professional rue even though i know a lot about training a lot i know a lot about nutrition rue having gone through that in a different way academically and able yeah. to lighten the load to do what I'm really good at coaching wise. Like I've not handed him things that he's not incredibly passionate about. He governs yeah. thing that he is so fucking passionate about and that he loves and that yeah. I also love, but was detracting away from my quality of actually being able to coach people through their problems. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my probably biggest three. That's my top three. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um for me, I would say the, probably the most important one is learning what listening, like professional listening actually is. Um, obviously, the, the the majority of my coaching is done in this sort of setting. It's done on Zoom, but I do spend a lot of time coaching kind of back and forward and messages yeah. and voice notes and stuff like that. Um, and I think listening on level three, so level three listening is called global listening. So level three listening, I'm listening for everything that is not being said. So I'm noticing for changes in body language. I'm noticing for changes in eye movement. I'm listening for changes in tone. I'm listening for assumptions, stories, beliefs. I'm listening for values. I'm listening for experience. Like it's way, it transcends way beyond the words that are being said and everything that those words represent that isn't being said. And I would say as a coach, that's probably the, the most important skill that I've learned and the most transformational one because it allows me to use silence to the advantage of the client and allow them to think on a deeper level by me holding a space for silence. Um, that probably feeds me into my second one, which has been able to understand my own biases and deal with my own shit and heal from my own pain because as a coach the process has nothing to do with me and some clients can find this a bit uncomfortable in initial stages because I will work with people mostly over a 12 session like block and by the time that's um, kind of paced out I'll work with someone probably over a stretch of six months and they can sometimes feel like they work with me for six months and don't actually know me and that can be quite tough for people so I will always offer a space of like would you like would you if a client's really struggling I will be like would you like to offer me offer some advice like would you like to know more about my personal experience of when I, when I experienced this because it does help to build relatability but the reality is is it's fuck all to do with me so being able to deal with my own shit understand my own biases and I will specifically seek out clients who don't align with my values and clients who have very different backgrounds and experiences to me because if I only coach people who are similar to me and I have great chemistry with and never ever grow as a coach I will always seek out people who intimidate me professionally who I think are better than me and people who completely clash with my values because that forces me to coach only from a place of objectivity and that makes me so much better at my job than if I just sought out people who were like me who I thought it was easy to get a result that is not coaching that's just you're trying to run an easy business with no challenge and that will never make you better like what we discussed earlier on literally like the 80% of the 20 that needs filled yeah 100% like you should be actively seeking out how you help people that are out with your standard and your experience of being able to get that being able to get that um and the third one mm, I think the third one's probably figuring out 
like exactly what I do. So like being really, really clear for me how I help people and not trying to explore out with that realm. I think sometimes people interpret this as finding their niche, but niche is a, niche is a business term. Niche is a, a marketing term, understand it for finding your target audience. Niche has nothing really to do with coaching. The coaching process remains the same regardless of the context and what you do it. So um, for me, I think it's about really understanding specifically how do I help these people and not practicing out with the remit of that because I think when coaches like try and help anyone and everyone with all of their problems, it only creates the wrong expectation in the relationship and more pressure on the coach. I yeah. think the coaches who are super, super clear on how like the way that they help people, what they help them to achieve and the process to get in that, those are always the ones that are most successful because they're they're practicing within their own remit of expertise instead of branching right out and becoming a coaching generalist. And that can be really, really difficult to sustain. It can really impact your confidence and it prevents you from finding a coaching style. So it means that you don't then get the consistent feedback and credibility of this is the way that I coach and this is the way that I help people. So I think focusing less less on how do I find my niche in my target market, that's one separate thing when it comes to coaching. It's how what is the kind of result I create? What is my personal coaching style? And what is the thing that I can guarantee and within my expertise that I'm able to deliver because I watch so many health and fitness coaches try and find flair in what they do. What's the thing that makes me different? What's the thing that sets me apart? Actually see being highly skilled in your expertise and yeah. helping people to get to this goal, that like build a good physique goal, whatever it may be, focus on what you're already really, really good at and how you become the best at that thing instead of trying to add on flair because nine times out of 10, it only forces you into being a generalist and it stops you from becoming coming an experienced and confident professional in your area i love the three of them like they're all they're all in line with one another i couldn't pick which one i like better but see number two I actually had a conversation with a coach about this the other day because he said um he said to me like he he hates the fact that he doesn't feel like his clients care about him. and mm. i was like well listen like this is a very lonely industry in the sense that they don't really care about you and it's not about you. They're coming for the result. And when they're embroiled in their own stuff and they've not hit the result that they want to yet, which is actually not not only just the physical result, but the characteristics. So like the kindness, because everyone, the thing is everyone bangs on about like being kind, but when you're not in a good place yourself, it's fucking very hard to be kind. You know, yeah. I mean, when you're trying to work on yourself, it's hard to be kind. Okay. When someone gets themselves to a good place and they've developed the characteristics throughout that process, you'll probably find them start to ask you a little bit more about like, so how are you like, um, thank you so much for doing this. I know you're really busy. Like, I actually think you need to take more time off. Like, how many of our clients have worked through their own shit come to us sometimes and go, you just need a day off. Like, fuck off. See the amount of them that will, will, will say to me, why the fuck are you messaging me at this time? Or you're not I, supposed to be working. You're supposed to be off. Why are you messaging? And I'm I, like, okay, sorry. Accountability goes both ways. I, which is a great thing. But there's also going to be like the clients that don't really give a fuck about what you're doing and what you're yes. like. That's all because they and, want to help. You need to not need that from them. You shouldn't be going to your clients for validation. 100%. 100%. Like we said previously, or maybe I've done this in a reel that we're going to be putting out to build a coach. Like you'll be up and down like a fucking yo-yo if you're looking at them for validation. And I think that kind of ties into the 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 next one where you were talking about business a little bit more as well and like your niche and like understand, understanding what you're really good at. Um, I think when you're on a similar wavelength to people, you can relate far more and people do give a shit a little bit more because they understand like who you are what you do because they're in it with you whereas when you yeah. are just too generalist it's fucking all over the place yeah, um, absolutely but that was a productive one Ho- hopefully any coaches listen to this and uh, normal people that aren't coaches yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, got benefit I was going to say it's, it's good for clients sometimes I think to get an insight to the process because sometimes it can feel a bit mysterious so yeah. um, it's good to give you that insight and then if you're a coach and thinking oh my god that's me then go and follow us at Bilt Coach <laughs> in the description below <laughs> anyway we're going to round off there guys we will see you uh, next week as usual uh, for some more gold and if there's anything you want to drop into our inbox and ask us on either our personal pages or Bilt Coach page you know our inbox is always open. So have a good one, team, and we'll both see you soon. Bye.